The Courage to Lead, episode 128. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm having a great week, and I'm really excited to introduce you uh, to my guest today. First, answer a question for me. As a general contractor or someone in the building trades who's struggling in your business, have you ever laid awake at night or looked at yourself in the mirror and asked yourself, if only I had a team of salespeople, if only I could run more Facebook ads, if only I had a bigger shop on a main street, if I could find skilled employees who really wanted to work, everything would be a lot better. Contractors spend a lot of time searching for the easy button. They think they're some magical shortcut that successful business owners understand that they're missing out on. But the truth is, in the words of my next guest, you can't polish a turd. <laughs> Help me welcome Tom Reber. Tom Reber is an entrepreneur, business coach, best-selling author, podcaster, YouTube superstar, founder of the Contractor Fight and Contractor Sales Academy. He's also host of the new HGTV series, Unfinished Business. Tom and his team have helped hundreds of thousands of home improvement contractors improve their lives and their businesses. Tom coaches and advises business owners and CEOs on how to lead better, build stronger teams, and scale their business profitably. Tom is a United States Marine Corps veteran, lover of fine tequila and kettlebell fanatic. He's originally from Wheaton, Illinois, now lives in Colorado. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. No, this is awesome. <laughs> tequila and kettlebells. I mean, I'm not judging. I mean, tequila makes me do weird things too. Um, well, I have a tequila bar in the basement. It's right next to where my kettlebells are and where I work out. So, you know, I got to stay hydrated, right? So, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, um, how you founded Contractor Fight, some of the things you've been doing, and, and just your amazing YouTube channel. Uh, that I've been following for years and the new HGTV series. But before we get started, I've got questions that I want to ask, Tom. These are questions my listeners know. Uh, I ask every one of my guests. They're questions from the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton right. asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. Um, and I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, there you go. Tom, if you're ready, question number one, what is your favorite word? Oh boy. Uh, favorite word, clarity. Clarity. Yeah. I, what is your least yeah. favorite word? <clears throat> um, victim. Nice. What turns you on? Other than my queen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what, what turns me on? I, um, I love when someone achieves more than they thought they could when they play at a different level. Nice. Yeah. What turns you off? Lousy work ethic. I'm with you. All right. What sound <laughs> or noise do you love? Uh, what sound or noise do I love? I love the sound of, uh, drums i'm a drummer nice yeah what sound or noise do you hate barking dogs and i have four of them <laughs> <laughs> um what is your favorite curse word uh rhymes with truck 
Good job. And puck and suck. <laughs> All right. And uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Would I like to attempt? Oh, boy. Um, I haven't thought of this one in a long time. This is good. Good question. I, um, uh, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. I've actually done everything but playing the NFL. Okay. So I'd, I'd play in the NFL. That, that was my original plan in life, but then I wasn't good enough. So there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> no worries. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, oh, I just said something the other day, like you couldn't pay me enough to do that. I forget what it was now. Um, oh, it'd be an orderly at a mental hospital. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. 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 We were watching some show and there was a scene and, and I was like, never in a million years, not yeah. for all the money in the world. So, nope. <laughs> all right. Finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Nice job. You maxed out the talent I gave you. Excellent. Good job. All right. Thanks. Tom, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, Contractor Fight, Contractor Sales Academy, um, some of the programs you have going on, and the new program on HGTV, Unfinished Business. All right? Sounds good. All right. We will talk about all that and more right after this. So listeners, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Tom Reaver. Tom, I can't even tell you how exciting it is to uh, talk to you. I, I was doing some research for a client of mine, and I found some of your videos on YouTube. <laughs> and I've binge watched, I think, every one of the videos that you've got out there and stuff. Great information to the point, not a lot of fluff. It's just right to the point, right mm -hmm. to the heart of the matter. I think that's awesome. Love what you're doing. Thank you. There. I appreciate that. So I, I, and I bought your book. So I know at the very beginning, you say that uh, you did everything you could not to get into the trades. That didn't quite work out for you. <laughs> Tell no, me about how you got your start. <laughs> well, you know, I, I grew up, um, my dad was a, he was in the pavement industry, had a seal coating business. Um, then he ended up uh, doing uh, tile work. He traveled around the country doing industrial tile, like in big plants like Nabisco and things like that, where they'd lift up all the machinery yeah. and rip out the old floors, put in the new floors and this and that. And then he got out of that and then went to residential tile. And he was 6'2 when I was born. And I think he died at 5'9 because he was all mm -hmm. hunched over. And uh, I looked at his knees and all that stuff. And on the other side, my uncle was a painting contractor. He was six three, and he's still six three. And um, and so I uh, I ended up working for both of them. But I worked for my um, worked for my uncle, and uh, you know I did everything not to be in the trades because, quite honestly, my dad you know uh, worked his tail off. But he every kind it, it seemed like every contractor I knew was tired, dirty, and broke. And, um, and I lived in a place where 
pretty much all of my friends, their dads were doctors, engineers, lawyers. They, I was literally on the, swear to God, on the other side of the tracks. Like I was on that side of the tracks. And, and I just felt um, that because I hadn't had a personal experience of people in the trades that were successful, I'm like, why in the world would I want to do that? Yeah. Um, and couldn't get away from it. Wow. <laughs> so, so then after school, you went into the Marines? And then you came back. Yeah, I uh, yeah. So I tried college for a year um, and played played uh, Division three football. And as soon as the football season was over, I quit because I was about to fail out because mm. I was a horrible student. Um, my whole life, I was I I barely did enough to stay eligible. That's the only reason I stayed in school was to play football. Um, and um, you know, so I did one year. I dropped out, went back home, and I built decks for my uncle's buddy in the winter outside of Chicago. And I was the guy digging post holes and stuff in the cold ground. And, you know, I think they were trying to get me to quit. Right. And uh, so, but a few months later, I, I enlisted in, in the Marine Corps and, uh, you know, that, that was probably, that was one of the best things that ever happened because it just got me, um, uh, it got me away from a lot of the crowd that I was around. Not, and I don't mean like, um, criminal crowd and things like that. I just mean, uh, small thinking, mm -hmm. uh, stuck in a victim mentality. We're Reavers, you know, Reavers never make any money. You know, this is kind of that, those were the stories that were playing through my, my upbringing. And, and so for me to go away to the core and really set some goals with that and, uh, be pretty successful, uh, at what I did there, uh, it, it was a blessing to show me that I had a different level that I could achieve in my life. Nice. And so then when you came back out, did, is that when mm -hmm. you went back to work uh, painting? You decided to be, Yeah, I got uh, out and work, went back to work because I worked for my uncle on and off in high school in summers and stuff. And I went and uh, worked for my uncle, uh, you know, for probably uh, three years. I think it was three to four years I was mm -hmm. working for him and about three years. And at the same time, I was I was gigging like five to six nights a week as a working musician. I play drums. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was doing studio work. I was doing gigs. I was, um, you know, I was early twenties, man. You know, you can, you can oh, do yeah. that. You can burn the candle like that. <laughs> so, um, and I, uh, you know, we different bands and things like that, where I, I wanted to be a career musician and uh, then I met a girl, right. And changed the whole thing. And then yep. uh, not with that girl anymore, but here we are, but yep. it's um, you know, it, yeah, I, I just, um, worked for my uncle and and then at one point uh, I'm like um I just wasn't um I wasn't satisfied in what I was doing because I didn't feel like I was having the impact that I was designed to have and that's probably the one th as far back as I could remember as little as I can remember back when I was a kid I've always felt like I'm supposed to do something that impacts a lot of people and I just felt that it wasn't going to happen there so I Ended up leaving my uncle's business. I got into sales. I, I sold carpet for like two days. I couldn't handle being in the store because I, I, it was my first sales job. I was a carpet guy waiting for people to come in and and um, didn't like that. And then I got another sales job selling windows, vinyl windows, replacement windows. And uh, in the first three months, I was the top sales guy in the company. Um, and but there was a lot, uh, there's, there's a lot of shady deals that are happening out there. And that company that I worked for, th their whole 
shtick was built around a, a story that wasn't true that, you know, mm. that I, I don't need to go into here, but my conscience couldn't take it anymore. And so I, uh, I left that and, um, fast forward through a couple other things. I, I ended up selling new t- tools and nails with, uh, you know, a fastener company and things like that. And so, and it was then driving around in the truck company truck, I'm selling tools and nails and all this to carpenters, uh, all over Chicago land that I, you know, I, I had worked for my uncle and I'm like, I bet I could start a painting business. Cause there was all this crazy work going on. Right. This was, uh, I don't even know what year it was. It was, you know, 2000, by then it was probably 2001, 2002, right in there. So started a painting business and fast forward to 2012, I exited that and, um, uh, sold my half of the business there and started, um, speaking and, and coaching people. And in fact, I even tried to get away from contractors, like my first coaching clients and stuff and speaking gigs. I just, I wanted nothing to do with the contracting world because I was burned out on it. Sure. You know, I was just, and, um, and then lo and behold, here we are. So <laughs> it's, uh, but I love it. I, I wouldn't change a thing because every, every steps taught me something. I learned something along the way, met great people, amazing relationships, so much gratitude for how many people have given me a hand along the way. Oh, absolutely. No, you've got tons of followings. And I know in your book, you talk about uh, that Jim Rohn quote about you are mm-hmm. the average of the five people you hang around with. That is, mm-hmm. is huge. And people don't really understand that, right? They hang around with the people they've grown up with and they wonder why they can't get out of the hometown. Yeah. I mean, for me, getting away was the best thing that ever happened to me, um, for my, my overall life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's, there was a reason our moms, our grandparents, things like that. A grandmother told us, you know, hang, make, be picky who you hang out with, right. Don't mm-hmm. hang out with that kid. Right. And, um, cause we do, you know, chances are, if you're overweight, your closest friends are probably overweight and don't exercise. If you, if your closest friends smoke, you probably smoke. I mean, I, I don't care what it is. You, there was a stat that I read probably 15 years ago. Now, I don't even know what it is, but um, that you earn somewhere between like seven and 10% of your closest friends, hmm. even, you know, cause you, if you just start taking stock yeah. and it's funny when I made an intentional move to start hanging out with people that were way more successful than me that were, and way more successful could be they're a quarter lap ahead of me on the track, right? It yeah. doesn't have to be light sure. years up down the road, but somebody who's more successful than me, and um, when I really got intentional about who I wanted to be and who I wanted to hang with earlier, I said my number one favorite word is clarity, right? Once I got clear on where I wanted to go, um, then it was just a matter of implementing the, the things that I was learning. Awesome. And now you're yeah. sharing that with people. You've got Contractor Fight. You've got your new program, uh, Battleground. Is that the new one you got? Yeah. Going? So you, earlier in the intro, you mentioned the Contractor Sales Academy. I, I uh, have, I co founded the contractor sales academy with uh with a guy named steve and and we brought a guy named Derek on as a partner that ran for about six years and then i the contractor fight i've owned outright well we just brought the contractor sales academy back in september 21 under the umbrella of the fight so it's all one company and we took battleground is now one group that's combining the two other groups that we have so it's it's just much simpler to you know brand and serve people and things like that when it's all under one roof. Yeah. It's good stuff though. And I know in your book, you talk a lot about mindset. Is that one of the biggest things that are holding entrepreneurs back to mindset? Holds everybody back. You know, you're, um, you know, I was 
talking to somebody the other day and I actually sent this, um, I sent it to my team. Uh, I, every morning I sent a, a, a mindset text to the contractor fight team. And I, um, I'll quote myself, which you're never supposed to do, but I'll quote myself. I, <laughs> I basically said that um, the stories you tell yourself will either, you know, catapult you towards the success you want, or they're going to drag you down to the depths of the dark waters, like an anchor. Right. And I truly believe that, um, you know, the number one limiting factor to anybody is the self-talk, the negative self-talk. And so you've got to learn to put some habits and rituals in place and have that self-awareness and discipline to honor those commitments that you make to yourself to work on your brain first. In our world, you know, we call it get oxygen, right? You know, it's, um, and we, we kind of have a, we have a circle thing that in the very center of the circle is you it's get oxygen. That's take care of you, your mind, your body, those things. Um, and then the next circle out is your people. And for me, that's my immediate family. That's the fight team. That's our clients. And then from there, it's build the kingdom. What do I have to do to build my business? And then from there, we call it stack the small. What are those small, seemingly insignificant things that we can compound each day over time that take five minutes a day to do, but they stack wins in your favor down the road. But it all starts with you. And that's so many people have a hard time with putting themselves first, not realizing that you know, your business will only be as strong as you are as an individual. Well, like you said in, in the book, and I know in some of the videos you talk about how we're given a lot of these thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. you're not good enough, you'll never earn enough, things like that. And somewhere along the line, we end up believing those and telling ourselves whenever mm -hmm. we have an opportunity, it's like, yeah, I'll never be good enough to even try that. You got to get past that. You got to break through yeah. that. Um, one quote you have in the book, um, you said that, uh, I've since learned that success doesn't care what you do for a living. If you show up, mind right, eyes bright, chin high, and focus like a beast on taking daily action toward your goal, you will win. And that's really what it's all about. It's not the big things you do. It's all the little things you do consistently over time. Yeah. And, and you know, su success um, doesn't care how you feel. <laughs> yeah, It takes what it takes. And, you know, so uh, I'm a big football fan and Nick Saban is um, Alabama's head coach, which most people know. Um, and he was interviewed many years ago and they, and one of his quotes was, you know, he says, kids are always coming here thinking there's going to be, um, you're going to have success by association, right? You're part of Alabama. So you're going to get drafted or whatever. You go to Alabama, you're going to win a national championship. And he's like, success takes what it takes, right? It just, there is no, shortcut and I don't care what it is. And, and I think we're, we're in a world now where because of the microwave and the remote control and the smartphone, where we have all the world's answers at our fingertips in five seconds, we've conditioned ourselves to think that, Oh, I've been after something for a few weeks or a few months now. Why am I not more successful? Right. And, and that's, that's ridiculous because it, things take time to grow and you're, you're becoming a different person. And, um, and so, yeah, consistency is king and success doesn't care if you don't feel like working out today or making another sales call or having a tough conversation with an employee or your spouse or whatever. And that's any area of your life, your business, your health, whatever, it takes what it takes. Yep, absolutely. And another big thing you talk about is own your crap. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you, 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 um, I believe it was, um, Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, who said, and this is where I think I first heard it many years ago, he said, or I read something where he said, um, you, you can't have progress without truth. 
And that just stuck with me and stuck with me and, and translated into Reber that you need to own your crap, right? If you're going to move to greater success, you got to look in the mirror, have some self-awareness and tell yourself the truth, quit BSing yourself. Um, and in the contractor fight, one of the things that we do is when people come into our programs and communities, we ask them to own their crap. And it's not like I suck at marketing. Okay. That's a result of you, some crap, right? right. So what's the deeper issue? And, and it's usually like, um, I'm a, I'm just, I've just been lazy with, you know, creating content for my company or whatever it might be. Right. That's always some, it's laziness. It's procrastination. It's, it could be a fear. Like for me, many years I rode, I literally rode the short bus and was in special ed for a couple of years in grade school. And that was my crap for most of my life that I was dragging along that I was stupid, which is why I didn't do good in school and why I didn't take bigger risks and business or even in relationships. Like, because I thought I was stupid, I wouldn't share what I was really feeling with a business partner, with my ex-wife, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is, that was the crap that was holding me back from more success. Yeah. So everything mindset plays such a big part in it. Um, so contractor fight and sales mm -hmm. Academy and stuff. And now HGTV, how did that come about? Uh, they found me on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> I, nice. I never had any, um, goals or aspirations of being on TV or doing anything like that. And, um, you know, some scout, you know, I guess they're always online or looking mm -hmm. for people and this and that they came across our stuff. And, um, this, uh, this guy tried reaching out to me for probably two or three months and I blew him off. Cause I, it, it cause it happens a lot. Actually, you get, a, you know, these people email you and they're like, Hey, we represent so-and-so and right. And he didn't represent HTTV, but his production company had an idea for a show. And then what they do is they shop it around and then a network picks it up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, literally it was just me showing up on a regular basis, creating content, you know, that, so my mm -hmm. second favorite word is consistency. You got clarity and consistency. So they work hand in hand. You could be clear on what you want. And for me, I was building the brand. I was helping people at our mission in the contractor fight excuse me, is to bring respect and dignity back to the trades. And it's to help 1 million contractors around the world put an additional $100,000 in their own pocket. Like those are, that's what drives us. That's why we do what we do. Um, and because of that clarity and then the commitment to show up and just keep giving and educating and training and this and that, that created the opportunity of some guy scrolling through YouTube one day, finding me, us having a conversation. And a year and a half, two years later, we're filming. Um, you know, we filmed four episodes of unfinished business that, um, uh, came out, you know, early 2022 here in January and, um, it'll move to streaming platforms, I believe sometime this spring. And after that, I don't know what's going to happen because, you know, they, all the time they renew shows, they sure. cut shows, who knows, but, um, that's where we're at now. That's exciting. Very cool. Very cool. So, <clears throat> The the topic of the the podcast is the courage to lead. Where do you find the courage to leave the nine to five to start your own success? Where do you find the courage to overcome the divorce, the bankruptcies, everything like that that hold you back, the mindset issues that hold you back? Where would you say you found your courage to start your own business? Um, you know, it's it's really funny the timing of this question because I was on another show the other day, and when that host asked me a question, that's where I got what I'm about to tell you, because I never really thought about it. I'm coming up 
on uh, the one year anniversary of my mom's death. And so she's on my mind a lot right now, you know, and um, she had me when she was 16. And so where I think I find the courage is I said to this host the other day, I'll share with you, as I said, looking back now, it hit me like a ton of bricks last week. I really believe that part of my DNA is that fighter that my mom was. I think that's really where it comes from is I, I believe it's just part of my DNA. She had a lot of options and she chose the hard way to keep me right. Mm. Um, she was a young single mom. She was up against the world. There were a lot of things like that. And I just, I really think not to get all weird and woo woo or anything, but I really think there was some quality of her in the DNA that was transferred to me that just says, I can take a punch. I'm going to keep getting up. Um, you know, I said to one of my my partners last week, it, and I meant this as a compliment to myself, even though it doesn't sound like it, but I said, I think I've just been too stupid to quit, you know, <laughs> and um, like, because I, I don't know what else to do, but get up again. And I, yeah. I guess it's, you know, I come, my parents were divorced. Uh, my dad was a couple of years older than her, and they divorced when I was six months old. And I've always had a broken home and there was substance abuse. And there was all these things flying around gambling and bankruptcy and um, you know, those stories that we were tell, talking about earlier that just yeah. roll through the family tradition for so many decades and stuff. And so I, um, yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't know what it's like to tap out. Um, and, uh, doesn't mean you change, you don't change course. You don't change direction. You don't right. exit the business that doesn't make you happy or the career or the relationship that's not fulfilling or whatever, but, um, you can, you can, uh, adjust course, but you don't tap out. There's always a way through. You know, one of the things we say in the fight to our members all the time is uh, you got to be like water. Water finds a way through. It always finds a way in the house, doesn't it? Yes. It's like, yep. it just, it's stubborn in that way. And we talk about being stubborn in the right ways. It's stubbornness is one of the greatest qualities that you can have when you truly know it's for the right reasons. So um, yeah, I, I just, I got to give credit to mom on that one. Cause she, she, uh, squeezed out a little fighter here. So that's awesome. Well, then you talk about your football coach too, had an impact yeah. on you mm-hmm. and you were able to teach football for a while, right? You were a coach. Yeah. So my youth coach, a guy named Ed Kelty, uh, former Marine, uh, certainly molded. And this, this was in the, uh, this is in the seventies, man, where football coaches had a cigar in their mouth on the sideline and stuff like that. They're very <laughs> told in the Budweiser, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then my high school coach was a guy named Jim Rexilius, who's another Marine. And I just had, I think, the, the course that my mom set me on. And then, um, and then my, my dad, even though, you know, broken home, you know, he was, he, both my parents instilled a, a big work ethic in me. That was the way to my dad's heart was work ethic. Like you work yeah. hard, you felt like he loved you more, even though he loved you anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to make him sound like a jerk, but I think my football coaches really in, instilled that, um, what it means to take pride in yourself for the effort you're putting forward and doing things with excellence. And, um, those were huge. And then, yeah. So when I was, uh, you know, one of my companies in the past painting company outside of Chicago, I said, I sold, we, um, one of the, uh, agreements that I had with my business partner in that company, when we partnered up way back in the day, uh, I'm like, dude, you got to understand that I coach high school football and two o'clock every day during the summer and the football season, I'm gone. <laughs> And whatever I got to do, 
at late at night and all that on my own time, I'll do and I'll do my job. And I did. Uh, but yeah, I coached se about 17 years of high school football and I stopped in um, spring. I resigned uh, here in Colorado Springs. I was a head coach of a team here um, uh, for three seasons and I resigned um, in 2020 because I was about to go film for the yeah. network. Wow. And I, there was just no way for me to, for, for me to do it all. But yeah, I, I love just being around the game. I love, I personally, I'm biased, but I, I believe football is the greatest team sport there is. You know, one of the things that we were coached on and always coached our players is, you know, selfishly execute your job. Yeah. Like if everyone selfishly just did their job, we'll be successful. And, um, and that's always stuck with me. Nice. But I, I like that you said, you said that, uh, you had this feeling that you wanted to bring more to the world to help, mm -hmm. right? And and stuff like that. And yeah, coaching football is definitely definitely a way to do it. Um, different types of courage. There's intellectual courage, uh, being able to set aside your long-held beliefs to make room for new knowledge, right? Because there's always new things coming on. There's moral courage, empathetic courage, um, social courage, saying what needs to be said, even if it's unpopular. Is there a type of courage you think is most important for entrepreneurs? I don't know the official label of it, um, but the first thing that came to my mind is just your uh, courage with yourself, you know, just having integrity with you. And I think that's, um, I've made the mistake many times through my life of not truly being me. And, um, and so I, I think if more people were, would look in the mirror and and I don't mean just own their crap, right? I, I'm talking like, what do you really want? Who do you want to be? What's going to fire you up? What's going to make you happy? What, um, and that courage will lead you to sharing that with other people. I suppressed that for many years, back to the baggage of me thinking mm -hmm. I was stupid. I didn't have the courage to express who I was and what I really wanted, what I really thought. And this was in relationships. It was with business partners. It was all every area of my life. I was suppressing who I really wanted to be. Um, and and so I, I think that delayed a lot of my growth. I know it did um, and things like that. So I, I would say, you know, have the guts to step out and, and be you. And define it for yourself. Don't let the exactly. media, right? Social yeah. media define what you should do and stuff like that. So many, I know so many people that, that get into uh, their entrepreneurs, they see somebody doing something. It's like, look at them. I should be doing what they're doing. It's like, that's not in your wheelhouse. Yeah. That's not what you're good at. Why would you go do that? Yeah. You, you know, I, um, I, I coach somebody and, and, um, her husband, uh, is a contractor. He runs a small business and he works part-time she works and, and makes good money in her career and things like that. And we just had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Like, I'm like, Hey, how's he doing with things? And she's like, fine. And this and that, and what he's done. And he's got this joy about him now is he determined what success was going to look like in his business. And it was not building a $5 million business or a 10 million. It was, it was going, you know, I'm going to do two jobs a week, small jobs a week that are at my rates. I'm going to walk my kids to the bus in the morning. I'm going to pick them up from school or whatever it is. I'm going to be available because he had done it the other way. Yep. And, um, you know, I think I even mentioned in, in the book at one point, you know, there's a guy that's in one of our programs, like he, has a, a small company in the landscape industry and he has a helper and they do their thing. He pays himself a couple hundred grand a year on 360, 
$400,000 a year business. He keeps it, puts it towards retirement and he goes fishing four days a week. You know, like he works three to four days a week and goes fishing the other days and he's perfectly happy. He's successful. And, and I, you know, somebody asked me long ago, like, Tom, how do you define success? I think the success is like getting what you want. Mm -hmm. But many of us don't take the time to get clear on what we really want. We just go with the flow. We go, you ask entrepreneurs, what do you want? I want to scale my business. Well, what do you want to scale? What do you mean? What do I want to scale? You scale top line. You could scale your debt. You could scale your time off. You could scale your profit. You could, you know, whatever. So get as clear as you can. And then simply reverse engineer the steps and be consistent checking those boxes every day. Exactly. Yeah. And knowing your numbers, that's huge. That's one thing. My clients, I worked with one guy and said, I asked him, you know, when we first started working together, how was your revenue last year? He goes, oh, we did really good. I said, perfect. What was your revenue last year? And he goes, I don't know, but we did good. Okay. What's your profit margin? Oh yeah. We're really good. I go, what's your profit margin? He goes, I don't really know. (laughs) It's like, you have no clue what you're doing, do you? And that's what it was. He had no idea. He had enough to pay the bills. Uh, pay his employees, keep the lights on. That's all that mattered to him. It's like, you're leaving all kinds of money around because he had no idea where he was, where he wanted to be or how he planned yep. to get there. Yeah. And that that's huge. I mean, knowing your numbers is, um, you know, we have a rule of thumb that, you know, if something costs you a buck, charge at least two when you sell it, no less than two. And I don't care what the going rate is. I don't care what your industry says. I don't care what the competitors are doing. They're your numbers. They're not theirs. And, um, and that's what I mean about, you know, trusting yourself and, you know, just stepping out and going, no, I'm going to do what, what I say I'm going to do. Um, and the math never lies. You know, I, we talk about all the time that I think business, I think success in business is about 90% between your ears and 10% math, (laughs) you know, math and strategy and marketing and all that garbage. Right. But it's, but all the success is, is between, you know, those, uh, those, those, uh, what do they call them? Ears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, mine are so Absolutely. little, I forget I have them. So I oh, there you go. Are. Like yeah. everyone makes fun of my ears. They're really small. So, but the good news, you know what the yep. good news is? What's the good As news? you get older, your ears keep growing. So mine will grow oh, to be about normal size by the time I die. Awesome. That's what I'm hoping. So there you All go. Right. We'll have you back on the show and talk about your ears then. That's right. <laughs> so um, how many people do you have worked for you at the contractor fight? Uh, there's 15, 16, including me. Nice. Yeah. And if I was to bump into any one of those folks and ask them about your leadership style, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Hmm. Um, I think they would tell you that I'm, uh, I'm dialed in. I'm very clear on where I want to go. I, where I want to take us. I think they would tell you that they 100% know that I have their back uh, and that I spend the majority of my time when I coach them and mentor them, helping them succeed in whatever they want to do in their life. Um, I, and, and I couldn't have always said that. So, um, and that's, and, and it's actually one of those things I'm, I have a long way to go, but I'm most confident in because I've, I've been very clear and intentional and consistent over the past couple of years, developing this part of me. Because I know that like what gets you to a certain point isn't going to get you to the next point. And so, you know, my coach, you know, asked me, okay, what's the one activity, one thing, one box you could check every day that will move your business forward and get you the most leverage. Right. And we're at a point now where that one thing for me 
is I have to spend some time with somebody on my team every day, mentoring and coaching them. That's where our leverage comes from. So that's why it's so, I'm so dialed in with this right now because I've intentionally been been working on it like a madman becoming just um, a true supporter of our team. Nice. And the culture, it sounds like you've got a good, Mm -hmm. strong culture there too. Yeah, I think we have, um, you know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the book, but I, one of the things I learned in the Marine Corps about the culture is, you know, um, so we call them FWs. I won't say it, mm-hmm. but it's effing winners, right? In right. our world, that's what we call like a kick butt person. And yep. um, FWs, who we all want working for us, they're not going to stay in an environment where they can't continue to win in their life. Correct. They're not going to stay in an environment where there's, what I found is they want high accountability, they want recognition, and they want to have fun. You know, like, and that's what I learned in the Marine Corps. That's why they pin stuff on our chest, right. you know, like the standards are high, you know, but then there's the recognition and stuff. And so I think that's, and it's funny, I'm, as I <laughs> tells you, I'll just know my crap here. Um, this has been an issue for, for quite a while is out of those three things, uh, I lack on the fun part because I hmm. get so dialed in on taking the hill, accomplishing the goal um, that I forget to have fun. And, and we have a, a, a woman who works for us named Nicole. She's amazing. She's like the ambassador of fun in the company. Uh, she's our relationship manager she, on a disc. She's an off the chart, high eye, yep. you know, and all that other stuff. And she's always um, her. And then there's one, a couple other people from time to time, but she's the one that's always going, Hey, let's do something fun. Let's have a, cause we're scattered around the country too. We work virtually. Most of us do in this and that. She's like, Hey, we should have a fight team happy hour next week and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I struggle with the fun part and it's not like, I don't like to have fun, but like, I, I don't view my work as work. I view it as it's yeah. my purpose. It's my passion. I love it. I just, I don't feel I work. I just feel like I get to help people every day. And, and that's fun to me. So it's, it's just, uh, as far as the culture goes, you know, um, another definition of culture I learned uh, from a training I did a number of years ago as a football coach and some, they had some consultant guy come in. It was amazing. He, um, he talked about how your culture is the intersection between your expect, what you expect and what you tolerate, you you know? Um, And, and so if you expect um, order, right in the company i'll just use the for contractors one of the biggest things is oh my guys aren't filling out their paperwork or whatever right or they're late or what if you if your expectation is you fill out your stuff but then you tolerate it when they don't you've just created and contributed to a culture of chaos yes and so um you know other definitions are are um culture is how you do things here this is this is the fight way this is the you know i mean you go into um you know, my, my fiance, she's, she's a Patriots slash more Tom Brady fan than anything. But anyway, <laughs> she, um, you know, you go into, into the, the, the Patriots, you know, building and plastered everywhere is do your job. Like that is the, that is the culture there. That is the, and they don't care if you were a first round draft pick with the biggest bonus in the world, or you're some dude who's barely making the practice squad or you're a receptionist or whatever you are, you're expected to do your job and everybody goes there. They know that. And I think they've done it regardless of what people think about the Pats and stuff. I have so much respect for teams and companies like that, that, um, that have made that such a part of who they are and, yeah. and it's unapologetic. That's awesome. 
the intersection of what you expect to tolerate. I'm, I'm having a, uh, working with a client right now, that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. We expect them to do this. Are they doing it? Well, no, not all the time. And you wonder why there's chaos. You wonder why they're, you know. Yeah. Well, this comes back to the leader. You know, we talked about you growing as a leader and getting oxygen. You know, I think, I believe our personal confidence grows when we honor the commitments we make to ourselves. And so as the leader in my business, if I go, we're going to have a meeting every Tuesday at such and such time, and then I don't honor that myself, not only did I just take a chunk out of my own personal Mm self-confidence, but I've taken a chunk out of the confidence and trust my team has in me. Right. Because I didn't honor what I said I was going to do. This comes back to just being a person of integrity. Right. So integrity is huge. All right. So uh, what's next for you? I mean, you've done so much already. What's on the horizon? Another book, another TV show. Yeah. I, I don't know about the TV thing. Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that as a, as a blessing, you know, it, it's been a great experience. I've met a lot of cool people. Uh, there's a lot of things that are outside of my control in that industry. So sure. we'll, we'll see how that plays out. The um, definitely we'll have another book coming. You know, we do, um, you know, my, my number one focus is to continue to build the fight and support our team and help them win in whatever their roles are and in their personal life and the goals that they have. Cause I truly believe that when you, you invest into your people and your team and they really know that, you know, um, regardless of what the bottom line revenue says and all this other stuff, if they know you give a crap about them, you're in it for them. Good stuff's going to happen. You know, we, we used to say in football that, um, you know what, win this six seconds, each play is about six seconds, win six seconds, take the correct first step, get your, you know, reach block the guy or, you know, fight off the block or what, like do your job. And if we do our job more times than not, the scoreboard will take care of itself. And that's how I view just the way, you know, um, we lead the contractor fight team. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have an, another company called Live Unafraid Performance Coaching that I work with non-contractors where I do keynotes and workshops on leadership and, nice. and really helping yourself dial in. So, you know, between those two things, you know, we're, you know, we're doing some pretty cool things. And that, that's, that's the future. It's, it's just to have more of an impact in those. That is awesome. Very cool. Well, Tom, this has been awesome. And, uh, like I said, I'm just thrilled to be able to talk to you. If people want to get in touch with you and find you, what is where can they do that? What's your website? Yeah, you can access my whole world at tomreaver.com. You know, okay. that'll take you to weliveunafraid.com. It'll take you to thecontractorfight.com. But tomreaver.com is easy to navigate. And it's a okay. super simple page. It says, if you want this, click here, and then it'll take you to the other site. So Awesome. Yeah. Um, any speaking engagements coming up? Uh, I got a couple uh, happening later in the spring for some private companies and some stuff like that. We have our big, in fact, uh, we're opening up tickets to our Mile High Profit Summit, which happens in the fall. It'll be in Denver, Westminster uh, in September 2022 that we're gearing up for. Got a bunch of virtual trainings and and talks that we're doing, which is cool in our day and age, right? You don't have to get on a plane all the time to to bring the heat to people. And so, yeah, that's... uh, you know, just kind of, kind of doing our thing with that. So very cool. And you've got a lot of, of resources on your website, mm-hmm. which are phenomenal. So, and, and like I said, the thing I like about your videos is they're very to the point, very clear, no nonsense, no BS, right to the point. Your worksheets and things you put together are that way too. fill in these blanks and whatever that total says, that's what you should be doing. And that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's great. Well, you know, it's funny how, how, 
experiences of your life show up later. Well, the whole idea of around just cutting to the chase, make things simple is uh, in, in the Marine Corps, you know, we used to say you got to idiot proof things, yeah. you know, like just I mean, literally on the Claymore mine, that's a anti-personnel landmine you stick in the ground and it fires like the 750 or so ball bearings out and just shreds everything in its way. It actually, it's like, uh, what do they call it when it's raised on the on the um, embossed not embossed it, yeah, or what, yeah. is it embossed where when it's dark you can feel it says this side towards enemy <laughs> and so and it's embossed so that when it's right. dark you can feel the side that goes towards the enemy you're like you have to idiot proof it so yeah. um you know because you know if if we i think so many people try to um impress how much they know and so they they make things more complicated than it needs to be when I think, you know, the great, and I, there's an Einstein quote around this that I don't remember exactly what it is, but like true, true brilliance is trying to keep things simple or something along those lines that if yeah. you can't explain something to a five-year-old, yeah. um, then you got some work to do in, in the way you communicate. So well, you've done a great job communicating this stuff. It's awesome. Love the, love the YouTube channel, the book, is awesome. I would recommend everybody go out and you can, there's a link on your website, right? They pay shipping and handling and they can get the copy of the book. Yeah. You go to contractorfight.com forward slash book, pay shipping and handling. Uh, if you want it faster, Amazon is the king of that. Um, and if you're out of the United States, I'd probably say go to Amazon because what you pay for shipping and handling to your country is, will right. be way more than what Amazon's going to charge you like for the book. So, exactly. but yeah. Go out and get the book. All right. Well, Tom, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. Really a pleasure to uh, to talk to you. Um, and listeners, hope Arlen, you guys were taking so, notes. Yeah. So much, man. Thank no, you. No worries. It. No worries at all. Listeners, hope you guys are taking notes. A lot of good information here. Takeaways. Uh, check out uh, TomReber.com. Check out TheContractorFight.com. Uh, all the downloads that he has out there, the workbooks, and get a copy of his book, Winning the Contractor Fight. And I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks, Arlen. Appreciate you, man. All right, listeners, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with your family, friends, colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 